Welcome to This Is Real Life with Jen Blossom, where we talk all things that make us most uncomfortable. From abuse to addiction and trauma to recovery, nothing is off limits. My guests and I will expose the parts of ourselves that hold the most pain and share the freedom that is possible. This is Real Life. Okay, well, you are here today to talk about something that I don't think a lot of people talk about. I was doing some research, and I think that the term that we're going to talk about was coined in the 80s, but I don't know if people talk about it a lot outside of specific um, scenarios. So we're talking about parental alienation today, and is it a syndrome or... Well, I guess it depends who you ask. I've been trying to... I think that um, the... I'd have to look up. I was trying to look that up before I came in, but um, there was somebody, um, a psychologist, who I think coined the term, uh-huh. and in the eighties, yeah, it was. yeah, I believe it. I don't know what classifies a syndrome or whatever, but um, unfortunately, it's still not really recognized in the courts. That's exactly what I was reading. Yeah, I think it's hard to prove, right? Because it's like he said, she said, and like. Yeah, the judges just really don't want to hear it, but it's just really sad because um, it happens all the time. 100%. More than people like to acknowledge or even think, and it destroys kids' lives. Well, it destroys everybody's life who's involved with the toxic person, you know? Right. Um, Okay, so let's start off by that, I guess. So how did we meet, Nicole? Like, maybe we can chat about that. What do you, do you remember how we met? Well, we have, um, we met through a mutual friend and, uh, I think you and I were just instantly drawn to one another because, um, well, I think you're awesome and you're like a unicorn. So you have this magical spirit and (gasps) yes, yeah, I'll take it. I'm in. Well, I think you, you're like me. We kind of wear our hearts on our sleeves and we just, are fun and we like to have fun and there's times to party and when I have a time to party I just want to party. You let loose, have fun, dancing and yeah, getting dressed up. Yeah, we have a good time when we hang out. And so I think we were just naturally drawn to one another, and um, I think we have a similar spirit. Yeah, I know that too. Um, and I just remember like you know catching up with you, and I remember you know a couple years ago you like introducing me to this boyfriend that you had and like you guys were amazing together. like you could feel the like energy together you know and I just I, I thought this was it for you and I didn't even know the silent um I guess toxicity that you were living through via his ex right yeah so yeah I met um it was like shortly after my divorce and I met a, a guy and he and I fell like super hard and yeah. super fast and yeah. um, I fell madly in love with him. And he was a super, um, he's a great guy. He really is. He's a, he's a, an amazing human. And um, I did feel like we had a really beautiful love for one another. And um, unfortunately I, I think sometimes people are in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. I thought, you know, I thought we'd be together forever, but, um, I also didn't realize, you know, it takes time to get to know a person and then not just that person, but then the baggage that comes with them. And, um, I think that's the hardest part about like divorce and like, you know, kind of then having to recreate family after a divorce because there is so much baggage. Right. And yeah. I mean, and it sounds silly because it's not like you're in the bag, but like in your case, you know, you already had two kids, right? I mean, you're a great mom, like you've got two great boys and, um, and then he had kids. And right. so kind of trying to, I guess, men or kind of blend, blend. Yeah. So that obviously didn't happen right away. Like that took time. And, um, how long before you introduced each other to your kids? Um, I think it was about six, uh, maybe seven or eight months. Oh my gosh. Um, 
That's a responsible adult. I like it. Yeah. My ex uh, husband and I actually, when we were going through a divorce, we actually stipulated that um, Mm -hmm. we would not introduce the kids until we had actually been dating this person for a year. And not just that, but that they had to be some, somebody that we were interested in creating a life with. And, you know, at the time when we created that stipulation, sounded good. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is you, you're in this relationship and you fall in love with somebody and you're kind of like, okay, that was like kind of a stupid role. And, like, you know, cause it's like even seven, eight months, that's respectable for sure. Yeah. But like to wait a year and then you're thinking, well, how's this person going to like, my kids are such an in- integral part of my life. Right. You want to know, like, how are they going to get along with him and stuff like that? I guess, you know, in terms of, like, just, I mean, you're a healthy adult, so you didn't really need, like, that stipulation. But there are some people who I assume would probably need that. Like, oh, they just introduce people, like, randomly, like, kids are, like, puppies or something. Like, oh, sh- the puppy will just, will, like, everybody that comes in the room, like, no, no, these are, like, human beings. Like, <laughs> they aren't, like, supposed to be, you know, just introduced to all these people and expected to have emotional connections with them. So Right. Yeah, I have friends who um, introduced their children to, like, every female or male that they dated, and I just don't agree with that. I think that's detrimental. Yeah. Okay. I do too. So, um, and then, so the kids that he had from a previous marriage, how old were they? Um, at the time that we met, they were in fourth and sixth grade. Wow. They were littler. Yeah. Cause your kids were how old? They would have been, um, in fifth and sixth grade. Oh, okay. Well, I guess they were all about the same age then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and were they girls or boys or? He had one girl and one boy and I have two boys. Okay. Yeah. And then did they get along? Like, did you guys introduce each other like, at the same time with the kids? No. So he met my kids before I met his. Okay. And um, they, when they did meet the kids and um, yeah, they totally got along. It was, I mean, they fought like siblings when we were all, um, you know, at, at some point we started all living together. But um, prior to us living together, yeah, for sure, we would do outings, and it was just like normal, yeah, fun, fun activities. Yeah. And um, did you notice anything about their behavior um, in those t- in those early days when it was you and? Yeah, I. Um, there were things that I would notice that I just didn't totally understand at the time because. You're kind of, you know, when you're getting to know somebody, you don't know all the intricacies of the way they parent. And you're kind of like, well, I'm not really sure why they do that or why the kids are acting that way. But um, what one of the things that I realized going through a divorce is that um, however you raise your kids with your spouse um, is so unique to your family unit. Got it. And that when you're trying to blend a family, like it's really hard because you have two other individuals who raise their kids in one way. And then we did it this way. And then you're trying to blend and, mm-hmm. and it's totally different. And so um, that was kind of a, an epiphany I had along the way where I realized that nobody is going to have the same history that we do or that, I think that's interesting too, because as as like a child, right? Like, so as a child develops, like they learn based on like their parents and how their parents nurture them and how they discipline. So then to have like another adult come in and try to do that would be very confusing. I would have to assume for sure. Yeah. And actually, um, later on in the relationship when we were in counseling, um, for parental alienation and all the bullshit that came along with that, um, the counselor did say to us, she said, being a step parent is hard at best. So mm-hmm. like under the best conditions of, of like where everybody gets along and it's this great environment yeah. and the kids love you and you love them. It's that's hard. It's so hard because you have two different families that were raised completely differently. Yeah. And now you're trying to bridge this gap. And, you know, especially when like kids are in fifth and sixth grade, they kind of have their um routines established and well and fifth and sixth grade is a hard time of life anyways right i mean like that's hard i remember sixth grade for sure that was rough 
Um, so when did you start seeing the parental alienation? Like how long were you together and what like were you noticing? Okay, so here's a here's a good example. Um Grant and I had been dating um probably like six months and I live in a small beach town um called it's called San Clemente and um I was walking down at the, on the beach trail mm-hmm. with a friend mm-hmm. and he was down there with his kids who I had never met. But in my mind, I'm like, well, it's no different than running into a friend absolutely, and just being like, Hey, how's it going? Blah, 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 blah. So, um, I said, hi. And he kind of paused and just waved and the kids kind of gave me this weird look. Well, like, the next day he told me that um, the kids told their mom that, you know, some random girl said hi. And then she was accusing, started accusing him of like, Oh, you bring, you know, like you're bringing your girlfriend around our kids and blah, blah, blah. It just turned into this big drama. And I'm like, who cares? I just said, hi. Like how would she even know that we're dating or not dating or like, how is it any different than just saying hello to a friend, a random friend? Like, yeah, it sounds like she's already a little crazy. Yeah. She was crazy. So okay. I, and, and so that was kind of my first drop in the hat of like, what, why, why would somebody even be upset about that? And that was the very beginning. That was the very, I was like, yeah, the first interaction, that was the first time I'd ever seen his kids met them, and not really even met them. Um, so fast forward. I mean, I assume she's, she's got a bucket of her own issues, but, um, what I, was she always like this? Having had, when you chatted with your um, boyfriend at the time, like, which was he like, yeah, she's always been this crazy. Yeah. So throughout their marriage, um, he had actually left her probably, I don't know, three, four or five times because she was super abusive and verbally, mentally, emotionally, sexually, physically, 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 physically and mentally. So yeah, she kicked his ass, um, a couple of times. She actually, uh, I think for like the first 10 years of their marriage, trained to be a, um, she was, I think it was jujitsu or, so she wanted to be a competitive fighter. Okay. And I guess she has like, I don't know, six or seven black belts and, oh yeah, she's gnarly. All right. So, um. So yeah. did you, so do you, did you assume that the kids went home and said, we just met daddy's new girlfriend or do you assume that they had meant she was like crying? Like, so what'd you do today? And what'd you see? And oh, do you, you know, like, was she? Yeah. I, I, I think, um, you know, as our relationship grew and then like eventually I met the kids, like, and we were spending more time together. I think when the kids came home, there was a laundry list of questions that she would run through and ask them. And it like, it was an interrogation. So when did it become like detrimental to your relationship with your boyfriend at the time? Um, like when did it become like out of control? Like I know this is out of, this yeah. Is so I would say, um, we were probably about two and a half years into our relationship. We had been in the court system fighting for, um, he wanted a more regular custody schedule because he didn't have that. And, um, the first time we tried to go on a vacation, we were trying to take the kids up to Mammoth and go camping. Mm-hmm. And she would not allow him five days in the summer to take the kids camping. So what we, what I suggested was like you, and he had an attorney at that time. And I said, well, you just need, you need to file a motion with the court. This is crazy. You shouldn't like, why can't How long have they been divorced at this time? Um, I don't know if they were technically divorced because the divorce and the, the timeline of that is really convoluted Okay, because that whole process took so long. Um, but they had been probably not living together for like uh, three years. And then he just got to see the kids whenever she allowed it. Yeah. And then you came in and said, Hey, 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 like you need to be on a more a stricter schedule thing. Well, yeah. Like, she, he was just at her mercy. If, right. If she wanted to let him have the kids on a Friday night, then she would let him do that. Or, and I was just like, this is bullshit. You have no stability. You have no regular schedule with your kids. Yeah. 
And that's then, not healthy for the kids. So no, right. or anybody involved. And I was kind of like, I can't live this way. And if we're going to build a life together, then I want to know like, oh, on Wednesday nights, we're going to have the kids from this time to this time and on the weekends or every other weekend, whatever it is. Yeah. You kind of know what to expect. So we tried to take the kids to Mammoth. He filed an ex parte motion and she tried, you know, she tried to fight it. And basically the judge said to her attorney, this, well, this isn't a good reason to file an ex parte because an ex parte is like a um, emergency hearing. Okay. But the judge did say to her attorney, he goes, I highly advise that you advise your client to let Mr. Jones take the kids on the camping trip. And did she? She did. Oh, she did allow that. Yeah. But then, because she was so upset that we actually took the kids camping and to do something fun, in retaliation, um, like, for instance, we were were driving home from Mammoth, and it was late, and we were going to be late, and there was traffic, and I think the exchange was supposed to be, like, 6 o'clock or something like that. And we were going to be late. So I was texting because he was driving and I was texting her Mm -hmm. saying like, Hey, just let you know, we're going to be late. And we were supposed to drop the kids off at, um, down where they lived in Carlsbad. And, um, and then she said, well, we'll just meet you at your house. And I was like, okay, whatever, fine. I don't, you want to come drive up to San Clemente? No problem. And, uh, I had also let her know like, Hey, the kids are hungry. We're going to stop and get them food. And, that kind of big became a big deal. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Cause my kids were in the car. They were hungry. Her kids are in the car. And I'm like, I'm sorry if it puts you out for an extra 30 minutes to feed the kids, you know, like this, let's just be reasonable here. We're in a car for like six hours. It doesn't sound like you're dealing with someone who's reasonable. Of course. Okay. So we were, <laughs> yes. But long story short, when we pull up to the house after being in the car for six hours, the kid, I mean, we were camping for five days. We were Filthy. Absolutely. Absolutely disgustingly filthy. The the um, campsite that we stayed at didn't have facilities okay. to bathe. So we were legit camping. And like the only um, shower, we didn't have showers the whole time. The only bathing that we were even able to do was when we went swimming in the lake. So we pull up, she's there waiting. We, we don't even put the car in park before the kid, her kids are out of the car, run to her car. Don't even say goodbye. Like no thank yous, no nothing because they're so wired that like the minute she's there they have to go she's such a narcissist she's so crazy so then they get in her car and they um and we're like unloading whatever we want how was the camping trip with the kids were they like happy and like yeah they loved it they loved it it was great we brought up um my kids on the um we own dirt bikes and a gym buggy and they got to do all that we fished we hiked it was and they loved it they loved it and the moment the crazy one comes around is the moment at which they're yeah, like, so scared. So scared. They don't even say goodbye. They jump out of the car. They hop in her car. They're filthy. So this came back to bite us later in the butt, but it really didn't because the um, the judge saw through it. She actually took pictures of the kids okay. in the car, uh-huh. filthy, Okay. and then turned them into black and whites. And because her son's legs had so much dirt and stuff on them, she said like later on in one of the court things, a, that we um, didn't bathe the kids and that um, B he had bruises all over his legs from, you know, cause we were obviously like beating him up or something like that, which well, you can get bruises from camping or from hiking and being the, a boy. Uh-huh. Right. So, okay. She literally took, takes these pictures and we're like, oh my God, we literally had just pulled up. Nobody had showered in five days and you're taking pictures of him like that. Not only that, but I had requested like, hey, we're going to be pulling up around this time. Why don't you let us bathe the kids? They're filthy. Nope. She won't let it. So then it's like, that's the shit we dealt with all the time. She, she bite her nose to spider face, right? So it's like, nope, you can't bathe the kids, but let me, I'm going to use this as ammunition against you guys. That is very borderline personality. Uh, stuff. So she suffers from borderline I'm personality. Sure she does. So, yeah, I could talk about that. But we did. Um, she actually hired a counselor um, who she wanted to testify against us in court, and she was supposed to get um, permission from uh, my boyfriend at the time to be able to take the kids to counseling. We found out. Uh, I don't even know how we found out, but basically, find out then we make our own appointments to go see this counselor because we're like, well, she needs to know both sides of the story. And 
she was meeting with the kids separately and the mom separately. And then she, she started to meet with us. Long story short, at the end of the day, she basically told, tells us that um, the mom wanted her to testify in court against us. And, and that was the reason the mom was taking the kids there. And that she ended up telling us um, that she believed that the mom actually had personality disorder, personality <laughs> Borderline personality disorder. Yeah, I'm sure she does. Yeah. They, um, my mom has borderline personality disorder. Mm. And I'm telling something right now. It really messes with you. It's because, so because it wasn't. Um, <clears throat> my parents, they, they never got divorced. I, I wish they would have actually. But um, she would do the same thing with my dad. Mm. It's it's all about control for them. Control, they yeah. want to be able to control what. The, and then the kids are the easiest to control, right? Because they need you, right? I needed my mom. Yeah. Like I needed her. So like whatever she wanted and she, and you would just, she would just look at you in a certain way and you'd freak out. Like, what did I do? What did I not do? What did I say? What did I not say? You know, and that, that's like a huge part of my um, complex PTSD is this like anxiety around, you know, and as kind of generalized because as a child, it's all the time. Like, cause you right. live with your mom, you right. can't run away. Like, where are you going to go? Right. You know, you need her. Um, and it's followed me all the way to now. It's so crazy. Like, that's like my, like one of my major issues in, in therapy is dealing with a narcissistic borderline personality, alcohol addicted parent. Well, talk about fucking crazy. Right. I mean, yeah. and these poor kids are, I mean, it's, it's, it's gaslighting. It's brainwashing. It's saying For sure. the reality isn't what really is and that their dad or you or whatever is not wanting the best for them when in reality she's not the she's the one who's so concerned about herself she's not looking at what's best for her kids like that's the crazy part totally it's totally crazy and so what are the other instances i mean i know you told me once about um there's so many like a sun like a sunburn one and i thought this is such a this is so fucked up right so there's so many um instances like uh okay i'll give you a couple um i was on a date and with him with him mm-hmm. and um I was texting him well actually no I had texted him earlier that day okay. um just some funny text messages text messages sorry and one of the text messages said um I love you more than a penis loves a vagina right good okay so his kids had taken his iPad without his, him knowing and the iPad had sunk up yeah same thing Mm-hmm. So I get a call that night because um, um, him and I were going to play in a softball game together. And uh, it's her, the, the mom. And she's like, at that point, she knows who I am. She knows my yeah. girlfriend. She knows whatever. I've, I've, I've been introduced to the kids and all that. Um, at that point, she calls me and she's like, you know, I don't know who you are. And you're sending my, my kids um you know, uh, I can't remember, like X-rated messages and I'm calling the cops and blah, 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 right? And and I, before I can even say uh, her name and then I'm like, you know who I am, she hangs up on me, right? I'm like, so then I call my boyfriend and I'm like trying to get a hold of Triton and then um, he ends up calling me back. He has, He ends up driving down there to try to go intersect intersect the cops yeah so she calls the cops to come interview her child who at the time was in sixth grade which is traumatic in itself horribly traumatic like as a parent would you ever absolutely not if your daughter got a text message like that would you ever call the cops to have them come interview her no absolutely not absolutely not ever like how traumatic scary Yeah. yeah so she calls the cops mind you her boyfriend is a cop Right. But they're trying to build this case around us and all this bullshit. And um, she, the cops come, they interview the child. He gets down there and talks to the cops and explains the whole situation, which of course she did not do. Right. Of course not. He's like, it's my iPad and it blah, 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 blah. And my girlfriend sent me these text messages and da, 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 da. And, uh, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, this shit happens. Blah, blah, blah. Here's your iPad back. And right go on with your day. So, um, that was one. There was another one when we were living together, uh, the daughter had come to our house. The mom had dropped her off at junior guards in the morning. She got a sunburn. He picks her up. 
she comes home the next day we're going to the beach she walks into our um, room because she likes to be in there and it, um I see she has this nasty sunburn on her back and I'm like oh no like if I don't send the mom a message and let her know like she's gonna blame me and him for, for the, the sunburn. sunburn right you know so I'm just trying to avoid any ammunition well what happens is I, I take a picture of the daughter's back I send it to her and then uh, she uses that against me in court months later. And the text message said, you know, hey, I'm just letting you know your uh, daughter got sunburned yesterday at junior guards. I just don't want to be blamed for it. And, you know, I, I didn't want you to think that we didn't put sunscreen on. And um, which is ridiculous in and of itself that I would even have to do that. But you have to realize this is a person who uses every little fucking detail of 100%. everything. Yes, I know, I know those people very well. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm just, I, I'm so afraid to do anything wrong, like feed them the wrong food or do anything that, because it all gets used against you. And then um, she, she submits that picture to the court, tells the courts that her daughter tells her that I threw her up against the wall, held her against her will, took a picture of her, and then was going to use it to distribute around the, inter the internet to um, inappropriate pictures of her. I'm like, as if, and actually the cool thing is, is the judge who had the case literally looked at the picture and like took the papers and like threw it off the bench because he was so disgusted by her and what she was trying to do. And he actually said to her, he goes, you know, the only, uh, he said, it's funny to me because this was a text message that was meant for your eyes, but now you've submitted into public records and court documents. So now everybody can see it. Uh -huh. So like, yeah, I love that he called her out though, because a lot of people like, especially with borderline personality, like it's so confusing, like so confusing. I mean, and you're an adult, yeah. right? Like imagine being a kid. Oh like, yeah. It is so confusing and so terrifying that no one ever holds them accountable. No one says like, Hey, I'm, I'm like messed up if I do this and I mess up. If I, like I, I can't win here. Right. Like no one really says that because they're so crazy. They just don't, you know, they don't want to like ruffle the feathers, they're, like constantly trying to like keep the person happy. So they don't, fuck you, you know, like yeah. come at you and go crazy, you know, stab you. Um, um, I, I remember the counselor said, and you can probably relate to this. She said that um, basically that there was nothing you could do to treat that. So what I've learned is that it is because you can't treat somebody who doesn't think they have something to treat. That's right. First of all. But second of all, what I've learned through therapy, because of course I just want my mom to love me. Of course. She's my mom, even though like I have no indication that she's capable of love. Right. Because like and like she's this mom up. this mom like she doesn't love her kids. If she loves her kids, right. she'd be doing what's best for her kids, not what's best for her own ego. Right. But the people with these disorders don't understand that. Um, but typically it gets worse with age because it's, it's a, it's, it's just basically your, it becomes your personality, your habitual way of behaving. And everybody just, my mom, like she's got no friends. Mm -hmm. My dad's passed away. Right. You know, I, I, I've, I've cut off all communication in the last four years. Um, there's not really a lot for her to live with and she's the victim. Right. Right. Like, no, no, no. Like you are the perpetrator actually. Right. And people just, we don't want to be around you. Why do you think you, but they don't, they don't see it like that. They're the victim always. And in terms of like, I think for me, I look at somebody who's so crazy and I think what happened to them? Right. Like they obviously weren't like brought up in a nurturing environment. Like, you know, she had, my mom had an alcoholic father who was abusive and this and that. Um, but you know, that doesn't, that doesn't like excuse her behavior. I always thought like, oh, but my mom, she had an abuse, she had an alcoholic father. And I think to myself, wait, but I had an alcoholic mother and an alcoholic father. Wait, how is that an excuse? Right. I grew up with a crazy person as my mom. That's not an excuse. I'm an adult. Right. I'm responsible for my own shit. Just like this lady. Right. And you know what? Honestly, for me, um, with people like this, they should be paying for their kids a therapy when they grow up because they're going to need some. Therapy. Serious therapy. Some serious. serious therapy. I mean, the kids are already, yeah, they were already in therapy. And it's interesting because um, I, when our relationship ended, um, I don't have communication with that um, with him anymore. Him anymore. But there was a time where we still did communicate. And I do know that as the daughter got older and into high school, she really started to resent her mom and all the bullshit 
that her mother would cut her so, so typically what happens is um, there comes a point when your like your brain starts to function more as an adult and they right. start to see things like, hmm, that doesn't make sense. And like, right. why are you lying to me? And about my that? dad's actually really nice. Yeah. I actually like prefer to be around him. Like you make me ha- have anxiety. Like he makes me laugh. Like, and then everything their mom did to try to control them and make them like dependent on her and like her be the focus. Right. They end up fucking hating her. Oh, for sure. And that is where I'm at. I'm like, you used me my whole life right for your benefit right f that right i'm done that's what i said to him i go you know when they become adults and they i believe they will come around and call her for what she is and i mean the the depths that her tentacles spread were so gnarly like i remember um as part of the alienation she told the kids that they I was always trying to foster um, their relationships with the friends that they had already had because they lived in Carlsbad and I wanted to um, make their environment more comfortable for them. And especially coming up to a place where they didn't have a lot of friends. That would be a a kind thing to do. Normal, logical. Yes. And so I would always say, Hey, why don't you bring a friend up for the weekend? Or when we would, um, the few times we did get to take the kids on trip, I'd say to the daughter, especially because, she was the only girl. I was like, why don't you bring a friend? Oh, that's and, really nice. Yeah. Oh, no. She okay. was not allowed to have friends um, participate in any activities that her dad and I were involved in. And her mom made that very clear. So clear, in fact, that when she was even, when I, when um, we were still talking and, and they were um, in high school, she would sneak over to her dad's and have friends over. And it was understood that um, nobody was allowed to speak about the fact that she was having friends over at her dad's house because her mother would become so enraged by the fact that her daughter had friends over at her dad's. I think of the, um, I mean, how sick is that? It's, it's complete insanity. (laughs) It's total mind control. It's, 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 it's unacceptable. It's so crazy. The thing is people with borderline personality disorder are bright. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a so they can mani- uh-huh. they can manipulate, and the problem is, so they never. No, I'm not gonna say never, but for the most part, they're not really breaking laws. Oh no. Like they're not really like you're not seeing things as like right and wrong, black and white. Like the way that they um, communicate to you, they're very righteous in their feelings and their reasoning, and and so it's really hard to hold them accountable because well, it's and not easy. They'll use whatever emotions necessary to prove the point. So it's like, if I'm going to tell you a traumatic story and I need you to feel the feelings I'm feeling, I'm going to just sob and cry and shake and convulse. And she was really good at all that too. I'm sure she was. And she actually went to all of my ex-boyfriend's family, friends, and like did everything she could to ruin his reputation. So, so my question is this, are, is, I mean, do you know anything about her? Yeah. Still. Um, does she have a lot of friends? No. Yeah. No. Typically None. at this point in their life, people that are old enough, they, you smell bullshit. Like for me, yeah, I can smell bullshit from <laughs> a mile away. Yeah. And if I even have a whiff, I'm out. Yeah. Like, nope, no more. Not anymore. I'm all done with that. So I think people, by the time they get, you know, become adults and they, they don't want to be part of that shit. Well, yeah. You start to tell all these crazy stories and then things just don't add up. And I think. People see through that bullshit. And sometimes if you're a peripheral friend, you're just like, yeah, 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 whatever. And mm-hmm. I don't care because yeah. you're not a part of my life. But I think as um, if you have any deep friendships, then. You know, I think for me, um, because it's really painful when someone who's supposed to love you talks bad about you because my mom would talk really bad about me. Yeah. And people believed it because she was so good at yeah, manipulating. manipulating with emotions, like you had said. Um, but, you know, the truth always um, it always does. Yeah. Sometimes you just kind of have to sit back and let it and like just watch the wave and it, eventually they get it. Right. You reap what you sow. It just happens. Yeah. And now, you know, unfortunately for you, because I know um how you felt about this this guy and but unfortunately it didn't it didn't work out because he we, he was so connected with her yeah. because he was she was the mother of his kids. You know? Right. And there was this crazy like I, I can't even describe it. It's so hard to put into words, but 
They were so emotionally connected on a, on a roller coaster of dysfunction yeah. that he never could really detach from that because he just lived in such fear all the time. You know what that's called? It's called a trauma bond. Right. Where you actually, because they, you are so, you become so aware of the other person more than you are aware of yourself that you care more about them and their feelings than you do about your own. Cause you don't even know what your own feelings and your own needs are. Right. It just happens like that. So she, she probably, she probably groomed him real well. Oh, they were probably together for a while. Yeah. They were together, I think for 20 years or something. I think, yeah, 20 years married for like 17. And, um, and he was probably pretty young when he got married. You know? Yeah. He was like 20 and she, yeah, she yeah. just totally fucked him. Did she yeah. come from a crazy family? Yeah. Or a crazy She background? came from a crazy family. In fact, um, my ex-boyfriend told me this story about her dad that he had a business partner in a business and I think he did pretty well and um, he got burned by his partner or they had some type of falling out and the guy, um, her dad drove a bulldozer through the guy's house. Okay. Yeah. Well, that explains it. Yeah. I was fucking crazy. That's right. Right. And so if you grow up in crazy, you either become crazy or the exact opposite. Right. And that's me. People always look at me, well, how could you, you know, how do you, you know, you came from all this dysfunction. Like, but I go, I could see it and I could smell it and I wanted nothing to do with it. I am the exact opposite. Well, I think you either have the um, introspection to look at the situation or have situational awareness for what it is and evolve past mm -hmm. it and decide like you said, I don't want to fucking be like that. I don't want anything to do with it. It's gross. Mm -hmm. It's dirty. Mm -hmm. Yuck. Mm -hmm. Or you don't, and you're and you're so. Um, I would think with her, she was probably emotionally stunted at, at some Absolutely. age or some from, level, from trauma, from trauma, sure. and then never moved past that. And so then she created this, or creates constantly, continues to create a. a world of lies and chaos and you have to live in the lies and the chaos because that's the control right right you're safer when you do that because if you don't follow her rules then she lashes out right and you can't be honest absolutely not right because then people might actually see you right <laughs> yeah no i mean i'm sure i'm sure she's in a world of hurt like i mean you can't and, and that's the thing i think that's why they always feel victim victimized because they end up alone they end up like being in abusive relationships themselves because I mean, either, either they, either they marry someone who is like him or like my father, who was much more soft spoken, like really just a nice kind person that they can like overpower. Right. Or they get involved with like, yeah, I think crazy. that was my boyfriend. He was a pushover. He was the nicest guy. He, yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't even hurt a fly. Like, right. I mean, we were together for three and a half years. He never called me about me. Nothing. Like, we had a beautiful relationship. And the biggest, I mean, the reason the relationship ended was because of her. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I thought, these kids are, I think at the time, her son was, um, was probably like 12 or 13 when I when we ended it, or maybe he was younger than that. And I just thought, okay, I, I'm going to have to endure her for another seven, eight years. Like I can't. Yeah. I too much. Yeah. And, sh and what happened for me was I, she's, she, she like ruined my life during that time. And, um, even though I have to take, you know, acknowledge my own parts of it, but, um, I was so, angry and I hated her so much it yeah. was like all I thought about it, it just so consumed yeah. my thoughts from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed and I just there was no freedom in that for me anymore and it didn't matter like how much I loved him I just knew that um it had gotten to a place where it was just too toxic and I was I was super angry at her and then at the very, I mean, there's like kind of a story as to why the relationship ended, but um, she uh, came after my kids and said that they were abusing her kids and that her kids weren't in a safe environment. So she filed an ex parte motion. And what happens in an ex parte is that um, you get you get three minutes in front of the judge, and then he has to, from that point, he gives you a trial date, which he sets six months down the road. Sometimes they'll even you know, push it out. Maybe it'll be a year. 
So you get three minutes in front of the judge, judge to plead your case. So she gets three, her, her three minutes. And the judge basically tells um, my boyfriend uh, that he can't make a ruling on whether the kids are in a safe or unsafe environment. But what he is, she, she said that they were at least safe with him, mm-hmm. which is funny because she hated him so much. So what the judge did say was, okay, they are to be with you at all times. And we lived in a big house at the time. And basically the judge said, like, if your kids get up to go to the bathroom, you get up to go to the bathroom. Like, if you're around or if your kids are around. That's right. Which was a total prison, right? Like, he couldn't go run to the grocery store without taking his kids. If we were sitting on the beach, I remember one scenario, his son is down in the water. His daughter's here. She has to go to the bathroom. And his um, he has to go get his son who's playing football with all the kids on the beach to walk because he can't be left right out of out of sight yeah so grant has to he has to get his son and then and the kids are all upset like why do we have to do this you're making our life miserable but what they didn't understand is they did this to themselves Mm -hmm. because they would go home and tell their mom what she wanted to hear through through the narrative of oh yeah we don't have any fun over there we don't like it over there they don't feed us they don't do this like you, you the list goes on and on and on so that was the point at which I'm like, okay, you've made my life a fucking living hell. Like I, I got super resentful towards them where I got, well, I, I think, didn't even want to be around them anymore. I, I understand like, that. I a hundred percent understand that, especially when they're bringing now your kids. Yeah. Listen, you fuck with me all you want. That's right. Don't you touch my kids. That's right. And for me, um, she had, come after like in court papers, she had accused me of being like a prostitute and, you know, throwing her kid up against the wall and being like, so I saw the writing on the wall. I go, okay, you've basically accused everybody of everything. And now my kids and I, and I already knew where it was going. And, and to be totally honest, that's why I ended it. Cause I looked, I go, I have two teenage boys. He has a teenage daughter. We all live under the same roof. Uh huh. And I already knew that she was going to go for sexual abuse. And I was like, fuck that. I'll be damned if I'm going to expose my kids to that. Yeah. And I'm out. I already knew she would go there. It is so sad that this, that, you know, you don't have to like be a good person to to become a parent. Right. And that's like the saddest part. Yeah. There's none. Like you can be a complete asshole and have kids. Yeah. And now you're responsible for raising them, even though you don't know how to do it. Right. And these poor kids become traumatically you know they're like maladapted adults because they never got their needs met as children and they were actually traumatized like now here we are like this is this is how the cycle continues well i think the most fucked up thing that i got to watch even though it's even it's still hard to even put into words is that um both of those children were modeling the same traits as their mother of course they were and they would lie and they would cheat and they would steal (sighs) And they would do it in my household. I remember one, it was the stupidest thing, but it was so, um, it was such a pivotal moment to me. Uh, his daughter had gone on a sleepover at a friend's house that she, she had eventually made a friend in Tankman. And uh, she had gone on a sleepover and spent the night. And she came back and the next day. I'm like searching my whole house up and down for it was deodorant, my deodorant. And I go in and I'm like, hey, Lonnie, have you seen my deodorant? And um, she's like, no. I'm like, okay, are you sure? <laughs> she's like, no. I go, well, did you borrow it? Because if you did, it's not a big deal. I don't care. Just can I have it back? Because yeah. I'd like to get some deodorant. Yeah. I don't have it. Okay. okay. So I keep looking and looking. And then finally, I just, I'm like, I, I'm like one of those OCD people. Like I put deodorant on and it goes back on the shelf. In the yeah. Same you place. know where it was. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. And I live in a house full of boys. Right. And I use like secret, like, yeah. You yeah. Know, powder right. fresh. Yeah. 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 Like totally. there's me and there's one other female in this house. Like, so I just go back in her room and I look through her bag and I'm like, Oh, what's this? Um, this is my deodorant. Why? Why would you just, she's, oh, well, I didn't know what it was. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, she's, yeah. 
Really? Okay. Yeah. But that was just such a small example to me. But like that stuff would happen and all how, the time. How old was she at that point? She would have been in like eighth grade. See, and so that's okay. So then I go to this. I go to like, well, that's kind of typical behavior for an eighth grader. They kind of go through this, this state, you know, you know, you like, that's part of growing up. But when you have an a-hole mom, right. That stuff becomes like out of like more out of control, right. Where they have a a parent who is caring and nurturing the parent disciplines them for lying and stealing or whatever. Right. They move on and they don't do it again. But children like this that watch lying and stealing, they do it and it doesn't get better. It gets worse. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, I was just, it was such an example of what she probably modeled, modeled and did in her own home when the mom, I'm, I'm picturing her mom coming in and saying, where is this? And she's like, I don't have it. I don't know. Because if she took it from her mom, she would get in trouble. Absolutely. Right. But I'm just like, Hey man, I just want my deodorant back. Like, <laughs> I just don't want to smell bad. Yeah. Today. You know, like I don't even care if you borrow yeah. it. And I would tell her that like, I'm and that's, care. you know, that's interesting that. And so that might actually not have been like a, um, like an asshole move. Like maybe she was like, just needed some deodorant, but she was afraid right. of being in trouble because me, I remember I never really did anything bad. I was like, you never wanted to give anyone a reason to yell at you. Right. You were going to get yelled at anyway. Anyway. So yeah. like you're just trying, you know, as a child, that's what you could control. You could control your own behavior. It's like, okay, well I'm, I'm going to do everything perfectly. Like I wouldn't even think about doing it, but some children on the spectrum of, being parented by these crazy people, they become like their abusive, crazy parent. For sure. I, I, that was always a discussion that we have. And I said, my biggest fear for your daughter is she's going to grow up and be just like her mom. And the sad thing to me is that that's what she's going to model in her romantic relationships. It's like treating men and like lying and manipulating yeah. and you never know which way's up and which way's down and you lie about the stupidest shit and you're just like I didn't grow up like that so I mean honestly like I didn't even believe evil I mean I know evil exists but like she you know what that's straight up evil. my my therapist would talk about like that sadistic and I was like I don't even know what that means like no my mom's a good person it's like no no like she's doing it to hurt you like the, the, the reason, the purpose of that behavior, there's no other reason for someone to do or say this thing except to hurt you right? and keep you in your spot, in your place. Like, holy cow, that is evil. Right. It's evil. Like, there's there's like no conscious anymore, yeah. conscience anymore. You've habitually uh, made your conscience quiet because you don't want to hear someone, you know, you don't want to hear the right, the, the right thing to do. Right. Yeah, I think... Um it's a I don't even know man it's a it's a crazy thing I, I know what I was gonna say okay did you ever see the movie I can't remember who was in it but it was like um I think Ben Affleck and okay. it's this crazy um she was she was blonde I don't I don't remember exactly who the actress was but it's um it's like where she plots out Oh yeah, uh, her murder yeah. and it Gone Girl or Girl on the Train or one of those. I don't remember. Oh, I I know what one you're talking about. And then darn it, basically it's like the craziest story, and she does all this crazy shit, and she like, um, I think she like fakes her own death or something like that, and then at the end, it's like you have the antagonist and the protagonist, and she's so gnarly, and then she I think ends up pregnant um, at the very end. And he wants, it's all because he wants to leave her. Mm. And um, anyhow, at the end, it's like the craziest, gnarliest movie story. But he decides at the end of the day that it's easier to just be with her because she makes his life so fucking miserable. And she's so fucking crazy that he just has to stay with her. Yeah. And she's probably not going to do anything crazy enough to like get her and like wind up in jail or you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, those yeah. people, they're so smart. But that's like how I vision, I envision like the person, the borderline personality disorder. Yeah, like crazy. that was like the best depiction. I, I watched that movie. I was like, Oh my God, this is my life. Yeah. It's crazy. This is this person. This is what she does to her life. But it's like you said, it's, 
it's, it's all peripheral, right? So there's nothing that you can quite put your finger on the pulse of whether this person did this or that. Or- and then if you, for me, you know, it was re-traumatizing, I think for me, like it would, it would make the wound even deeper when I would try to explain it, but like people didn't get it. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, your mom yelled at you. Well, that happens all the time. Right. And you're like, no, but like, it was different. Yeah. Like, I don't, well, maybe she had a bad day. No, it wasn't like that. Like, right. Like, how do you explain it? It's so crazy. And unless you've been involved in a relationship, a romantic relationship or parental relationship, a friend relationship with somebody who has a personality disorder, you cannot understand it. Totally. It's, it's insane. It's insane. It's yeah. totally insane. And the counselor, when she was telling me that, I remember it was kind of like a light bulb and I was like, Oh my God, I have to get out. Like yeah. I can't, I just, yeah. I can't do this anymore. It doesn't matter how much I love this guy. And I thought, you know, whatever, we just have to go our separate ways. And if we're meant to be like maybe 10 years from now, we'll find our way back to each other. But you know, now that I've had distance yeah. and time away from it, I'm just like, I, that's just not even a situation I'd ever want to even be a part of again. And it's sad because I mean, it's, it's sad because you couldn't be in that relationship anymore because of all of these things. But like, thank the Lord that you like had the wherewithal to say, no, I don't want this for the rest of my life. <laughs> Can you imagine no. like dealing with this crap forever and ever? No, um, it consumes you. Yeah. So, okay. If you could give any advice to anybody who's got this kind of situation going on, dealing with crazy having the parental alienation where those one parent is trying to turn the kids against the other parent. Um, what would you, Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, it's interesting because I've, I've experienced it now in three different relationships. Um, so the first one being the one that I've talked the most about because that was the most egregious. And then the following relationship I was in, um, he experienced it too. And, um, a person that, um, I, have a relationship with we're like just friends but he's experiencing that now too and honestly like I don't even know what the best advice is because it's such a fucked up mean devastating on all levels thing to experience and that it's really interesting because um in my experience the person or the parent who is actually doing the alienating is oftentimes the one accusing the other parent of doing the alienating. It's the crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like they project what they're doing onto the other parent, which has happened three times now I've witnessed. And I'm like, this is so fucked up. And for the dads who are going through it, Mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely devastating. And in fact, um, we went to the leading expert who wrote, who actually is, um, trying to get the courts to recognize it as a, a child abuse. Child abuse. Yeah. yeah, it is. And it absolutely is child abuse. And it's sickening to me that the courts won't um, acknowledge it. But we actually went and saw him. And his advice to my boyfriend at the time is he goes, he goes, um, I honestly, in my opinion, the best thing for you to do is just walk away. Walk away from your kids until they're ready to have a relationship with you and they can decide when they're 18 and he couldn't do it. And I don't know if a parent could, but he's just like, you have a person who will stop at nothing. And she really wouldn't. Right. She was the type of person she would throw her kids in a, in front of a fucking bus. I'm sure she would. To be right. I'm sure she would. And is there anything that you can do to stop another person from, from doing it? I mean, sometimes the courts will, try to interject and say, you know, I'm going to put a gag order on you and tell the mom, um, you need to stop talking to kids, but do they? Well, no. and that's the thing. I mean, people that parent like this and abuse their children like this are very smart. They're not, 100%. they're not like overtly being like, they're not, there's no wound on the kid's face, right? right. The wound is, is so deep. It's, it's, mind it, it is it's so completely insane and it's so hard to explain but I just hope I mean it, if, if this if this woman would have gotten the help that she needed from her shit right she wouldn't be behaving this way now but she didn't right and that's the fucked up part the fucked up part is that nobody in her life ever said hey 
you're being a crazy bitch right now. Go get some fucking therapy because you're ruining your kid's life. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, like when, cause listen, also this kind of abuse doesn't happen. Like one day you're like no, a pony. It's a and lifetime. Like, it is little by little by little. It's like addiction. It's like little by little by little. And before you know it, you are so out of your mind, you know? Right. Um, and it's so hard. It's, it's hard to see. It's hard to, um, it's hard. It's hard. I, 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 don't, I wish I had the answer. I don't know, but I did read that there was a statistic that in divorce cases, there's 80, 86% of the divorce cases in this particular study. Um, there was parental alienation going on 86%. Yeah. And I would add to that, that 86% is probably low. No, well, probably low, but, um, that out of that 86%, 90% of that is, um, I would say that most of the parental alienation is done by women. Interesting. Because it I just, is sad. It is. Because you want to believe, and I think that's one of society's issues. We want to believe, oh, this is, I'm so glad you said that because it brings me to this. We want to believe that moms love their kids. Yeah. It's always, in Disney movies, it's always the stepmom mm-hmm. who does bad things. Not the real mom. Right. The real mom loves their kid. People and people just don't want to believe that there could actually be moms out there who don't love their kids, like that, or they their version of love is super fucked up. Well, and that's not love, right? So, like, but like, it's it's so hard to believe that people would actually behave like this. There must be a reason why. Like, there must be. We we can't we can't believe that someone would actually behave like this and treat their kids like this or treat spouses or friends or whatever. It is so hard to convey and it is so crazy because I think even, you know, the courts, they want to believe that the moms love their kids and the dads are the crazy ones, you know? Right. And listen, every case is different. I am not, you know, yeah, I'm not about to sure. put up, you know, an umbrella over it, but I would have to say that I think that moms sometimes get the past that they love their kids and they'll do anything for them when really I, there are some moms who are fucked up. <laughs> well, I think what happens if you, I mean, you've never been through divorce. I have. And I, I, um, what happens in the magical world of divorce is you start to hang out with all the divorcees mm. because married people hang out together and divorced yes. people hang out okay, together. Okay. And single people hang out together and then right. single. So people. all of my friends that I'm, like or my best friends are divorced. I see. So we, I, I have experienced all of this many times over, but um, what I was going to say is that there's um, coaching that happens along the way when like, especially if a woman is going through a divorce and okay. a lot of times the attorneys will straight up tell them like, you need to gain custodial advantage. You need to gain the financial advantage. You need to gain the advantage of the house. And so how do you do that? Well, it's a known fact that um, attorneys have and will advise uh, their clients to create scenarios in which they can have their spouses arrested and get a restraining order. And mm. it's, it's so, it's so gnarly when you start to just like peel away the layers of family law. It's the most fucked up system that honestly probably exists on the planet, especially here in the United States. And um, it's, it's so gnarly what women and people will do to gain custodial advantage. So like, let's say if you have 80% custody of your kids, well then a man has to pay you more money rather than if you have 50, 50. But in my opinion, if you have two parents who are like good, decent humans and love their children and, you know, one's not like a raging alcoholic or drug addict or abusive <laughs> and they're both capable parties. Like, I don't understand why it shouldn't just be 50, 50. That's in my opinion. Like that's what we did. My ex-husband and I, my kids are well acclimated. They've thrived in life and I have amazing kids who don't feel the pull of, mm-hmm. of, Oh no, we spent more mom. We spent more time at mom and dad. And none of it. It's just, I wonder, yeah, I feel like there needs to be more like advocates for the children. For sure. Um, interesting. Well, I just wanted to thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you for having me. has given me a lot to think about. Now I want to go do more research. Yeah. <laughs> like, how can we change this? Because that's oh my gosh. so messed up. When I was, um, just on a side note, when I was dating that guy first, I actually went, because uh, I was so um, 
passionate about it. And I actually am still passionate about advocating for men and fathers because I just think um, they kind of get fucked in our court systems. But um, I went to Chapman to uh, and went and did like this. Uh, it was like an intro law course because I thought about going back to school and becoming an attorney and advocating for fathers because I think our court systems are so fucked up. And maybe someday I will. I don't know. But I just yeah. think that um, more people have to advocate you know, for that stuff. Amen, sister. Yeah. I love it. I love your passion. I love your heart. Thanks. I love you. You're the best. Thanks. All right, girl. Mwah. Love Mwah. you. Bye. Love you.